Welcome to the Patriotic Pulpit. It is the green global agenda of climate change, this green religion that is on tap today. And specifically, speaking about the Maui fires, the catastrophic wildfires of Maui have absolutely, of course, been devastating. This tropical island has now been absolutely devastated, burned to a crisp. And what is the cause of it? Well, 93 dead in the community of Lahaina lie in the smoldering ruins as firefighters struggle to contain the blaze on the island. And actually, just a stunning, a stunning look at what's taking place. But once again, the question is, is climate change really to blame? Well, that, of course, is exactly what the liberal mainstream media always does. They blame climate change. For example, here's Kelsey Culp's Gerbitz, who is a researcher. She says climate change is leading to these unpredictable or unforeseen combinations that we're seeing right now and that these are fueling this extreme fire weather. And what these catastrophic wildfire disasters, she goes on to write, are revealing is that nowhere is immune to the issue. So the cause is, once again, climate change. The Democratic governor of Hawaii also does the same thing, climate change. He says, as we rebuild, we'll have to take into consideration a lot more fire safety. This is going to be a priority. Climate change is here and it's affecting the islands. And I think that's what we're going to see now with this fire. So instead of really examining the issue, because this, lets, uh, this allows liberals and liberal governments and the, the liberal governing authorities that are really in charge of these liberal states such as California, we'll talk about California in a moment, uh, liberal states such as California and Hawaii, instead of forcing them to look at the real issues, which is land management or the lack thereof, they simply blame climate change and human-caused climate change at that. So the Associated Press dispenses this climate change propaganda as they are, of course, part of the entire entire global cabal that is trying to drive us into a socialistic government, a climate, a climate emergency, they toot that horn all the time. Here's the AP. Climate change not only increases the fire risk by driving up temperatures, but it also makes stronger hurricanes more likely. In turn, these storms could fuel stronger wind events like the one behind the Maui fire. Well, what is the real factor? What, what are the real factors involved in the Maui fire? Dr. H. Sterling Burnett is a climate scientist with the Heartland Institute. He tells us in so many words, climate change was not a factor. The modest background warming did not cause the present dryness, nor did it cause poor land management, nor did it spark the fire, nor did it cause the winds from a hurricane, nor perhaps most importantly did it cause the government to not prepare to fight such fires with huge fuel buildup it allowed. We'll come back to that in a few moments. Huge fuel buildup. He goes on to say it did not cause, that is, climate change did not cause the decision not to shut off the island-wide alarm system of horns to warn the people once the fire started. People blaming climate change for Maui's tragic fire and large loss of life are just alarmist opportunists. Now, these are the words, once again, of Dr. H. Sterling Burnett of the Heartland Institute. He said, people blaming climate change and the large loss of life are alarmist opportunists. There's the people grotesquely dancing on the smoldering bodies of those whose lives were lost, trying to score political points. It is sick. 
No restriction on fossil fuel emissions could have prevented this terrible event. So unfortunately, blaming climate change is not, it's not so much, of course, just that it's easier because the liberals don't want to look at the real cause of it, but they're refusing to see the causes of it, and that is their own policies, that these are the policies that really cause it, the liberal policies that are in place all across our country. I've been in Colorado. I went, I went up hiking in Colorado. I just uh, I hike with a, with a bow because I pretend I'm elk hunting. I don't, I don't get anything, but I have a bow and I hike in the mountains of Colorado. And you know what? It's, it's impossible to get into the, some of the mountains of Colorado because, as uh, my brother put it when we, were, when we were hiking in Colorado mountains, he said, it looks like someone blew Paul Bunyan's cabin down and, and his blue ox as well. I mean, it's just absolutely, it's absolutely tremendous, the deadfall that is allowed to lie in the Colorado mountains. Why is this the case? We'll talk about that in just a little bit. So it's land management is the problem. And that goes back to this green global religious agenda that liberals have. That's what's, that's what's causing the fires to be so devastating, so tragic. And we're not trying to, of course, make light of the loss of life. And it is a horrible thing, the loss of life that took place in Maui. But what's really the cause of all of this that we're seeing as far as the fires are concerned, and that is the lack of land management that is that is now in place and has been since the Clinton administration in our government. Now, when we come back from a break, we'll talk about the California wildfires, just as a good illustration of this back in 2018, back in just a moment. We're talking about the lack of land management as being really the prime cause of the fires, the devastating nature of the fires in Maui. Not only the, the wind conditions and and other things that were involved, the extreme dryness, but it's not, it's not anthropogenic, man-caused climate change, but it is simply the lack of land management. And as a perfect illustration of that, which ta is taking place in Hawaii and all across our country right now, let's just go to California in 2018. One of the deadliest and most destructive wildfires that ever came to California in California's history simply burned down the, the town of Paradise in November of that year, took place in Donald Trump's administration period, and Donald Trump attributed the fire to gross mismanagement of the state's forest. Donald Trump is exactly right. He's exactly right. This is one reason the left hates him so, because he is exactly right, and he doesn't mince his words. Now, here's what Trump tweeted at the time, and we're going to talk about this for a moment. He said, there is no reason for these massive, deadly, costly forest fires in California, except that forest management is so poor. Billions of dollars are given each year with so many lives lost, all because of gross mismanagement of the forests. Remedy now or no more federal payments, he threatened also. Now, when he said that, of course, the left lost their mind just as they always do. And as they have continued to do, as they're continuing to take him to court on these trumped-up charges against him, trying to keep him from running for president and let alone be a president again. So California Jerry Brown, who was the governor at the time, spoke at a press conference the day after Trump made those remarks, and he fired back 
with this kind of statement regarding the state's wildfires and attributing them all to global warming. He said, this is not the new normal. This is the new abnormal, and this new abnormal will continue certainly into the next 10 to 15 years. We're going to have to invest more and more adaptation. It's not millions, it's billions and tens and probably hundreds of billions of dollars. Now that's interesting because what he's saying is, let's boil it down here, that is the cause is man-made global climate change, global warming. I started to say global warming. They don't want you to say that anymore. They want to say climate change because they want to be able to cover, that is, these these uh, green agendas. They want to be able to cover every kind of change in the climate, whether global warming, global cooling, anything at all, any change at all. So he said, man-caused global climate change is the cause. And then he says he wants, he wants the people to invest more and more hundreds of billions of dollars. What's invest? Well, invest means, according to the Democratic playbook, means that they want you to pony up more and more money. That means more and more taxes invest. I get so tired of them saying invest. Well, we know what they mean by invest. You know, you're not investing, really. You're actually, you're actually paying out the nose more and more. You're, it's becoming a socialistic state. So Brown also said that those who deny man-made climate change are definitely contributing to the wildfires. So if you deny that this is actually taking place, you're contributing to the wildfire. Isn't that interesting? So they not only are refusing to take blame for lack of land management, but they're also placing the blame at the feet of conservatives such as myself who say, no, this is not the case. Let's look at the science. Let's look at the facts of it because the left is always against the science. Here's an interesting statement. He goes on to say, Managing the forest in every way we can does not stop climate change. And those who deny that are definitely contributing to the tragedies that we're now witnessing and will continue to witness in the coming years. All right, let's stop here for a moment. Let's just say this. This will apply to Governor Gavin Newsom today, Governor Brown then, and the governor, current governor of Hawaii. And that is, if we get out here and say that we're not having that the problems are caused by lack of land management, we'll say it that way, that the problems are caused by lack of land management, how does that contribute to climate change? Because they're still using a crowbar to get the money out of us. We're paying up to 50% of all that we make in our salaries to the federal government. We're half slave and half free individually. How is it that saying that, no, that's not the case, that lack of management is the problem? How does that contribute to the fire. Here's, a, here's an experiment. Let's just go back to how we used to manage it in the 1960s and 70s, and let's just see how we might be able to cause less fire than we are now, less devastating fire. Now, afterward, Brown was joined by a chorus of mainstream media pundits, celebrities, and other people who agreed that climate change is behind not only the wildfires, but many other disasters around the world, around America. And so, for example, Neil Young, the rocker, said, California is vulnerable not because of poor forest management, as our, and he calls them DT, our so-called president. It's, that's it, our so-called president. That's how he put it. Our so-called president would have us think. Boy, I tell you what, if I said that about, about 
Barack Obama, who was president at one point, and Joe Biden today. But the left, they want, they want to censor you, say, no, you can't say those kind of things. That's how the left always talk. That was Neil Young, but he says, not because of poor force management. And one of the celebrities was Gerard Butler, also singer Miley Cyrus. They lost their California homes to Woolsey Fire, the Woolsey Fire in California, which was another fire. They said, as a matter of fact, this is not a forest fire that rages on as I write this. We are vulnerable because of climate change. The extreme weather events and our extended drought is a part of it. Our temperatures are higher than ever here in our hottest summer on record. California is a paradise for us all. We are sad not to be able to defend California against Mother Nature's wrath. But in spite of that, I want you to hear what Interior Secretary Ryan Zink had to say, this was under Donald Trump, had to say just a few days later, joining the debate on climate change and anthropocentric climate change. A few days later, he joined the debate, and here's what he said. When there is lawsuit after lawsuit by, yes, the radical environmental groups that would rather burn down the entire forest than cut a single tree or thin the forest, then it's easy to find who is suing and who promulgates these destructive policies. Take a look at who is doing the suing every time there's a thinning project. The density of dead and dying trees is higher. When nature alone takes its course without management, there are consequences. Exactly what I was saying. When you walk through the forests of Colorado and some of the, the land that is supposed to be managed by the Bureau of Land Management, that is the Bureau of Non-Land Management, what do you, you can't walk through the forest. You can't walk to it because the deadfall is so tremendous. It looks like a tinderbox, a giant tinderbox ready to go up. Now, these remarks by Trump and Zeke on the one hand, and those by Brown and Young on the other, regarding the California fires, highlight one of the most contentious debates in the modern world. But be sure to note this. This controversy is not only about whether climate change or mismanagement of the forest is the catalyst for the wildfire. This debate involves a colossal battle between globalists, that is, those who want global government control, and nationalists, those who believe, such as I do, that government is national and does not go any higher. It also involves a massive indoctrination campaign of youth in the purported values of socialism and the dangers of climate change, because whether you realize it or not, climate change agenda the climate change doctrine is taught to children all the way down into the grade schools, all the way down into kindergarten. All of this kind of nonsense, climate change, that it is man-caused climate change. And even conservatives feel some kind of uh, need to say, well, I believe in climate change. I don't know how much man-caused. So all of this doctrine is doctrinaire material is taught to children all the way down into the kindergarten. So that's what this debate is about, and whether nations on the planet will ultimately advance in some, sort, some form of world government, or whether we're going to maintain our freedoms in our constitutional republic. That's what this is all about. We're taking another break. We'll come back in just a moment talking about more of this lack of land management, the Bureau of Lack of Land Management. Back in a moment. If you want to follow Patriotic Pulpit, you can do so on the Amazon Music app 
Amazon Music App, Patriotic Pulpit is the name of the show. You can also find us on the Spotify app, Patriotic Pulpit on Spotify app. I also have a website which is still called American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. If you care to contribute to the program, if you care to contribute to what we're doing and the work that we're doing, then American Liberty with Bill Lockwood, there's a donate button that is there and you can go there as well. I also write articles periodically for the News Talk 1290 website in Wichita Falls, so you can go there as well. So let's go back to climate change, the socialist agenda for America. Since the 1960s, the environmental left has had the same solutions, regardless of the current environmental scare of the day. That's what Mark Morano writes, who's the publisher of the Climate Depot website. Mark Morano, Climate Depot. The solution is global governance or global government, central planning, wealth redistribution. We heard that from past Governor Brown, the loss of national sovereignty to international bodies. They started this, writes Morano, in the late 1960s, chiefly with overpopulation. Now, you might recall, of course, the great, uh, the, the great scare at that time, according to Paul Ehrlich, who is author of The Population Bomb, was overpopulation. We have, to, we have to be concerned about too many people. There are too many people on the planet. Of course, they've left that because they've kept the borders wide open, so they've invited the entire world into the United States. That, of course, is Joe Biden's open border. But So they don't believe that anymore, that the population, overpopulation, at least they don't act like they do. But that was the big scare, the environmental scare at that time. So, so Mark Morano says that was the scare then. Resource scarcity and other environmental concerns at the time. Always, however, the same solution. And the same solution is big government, more powerful government, global government, removing it from the ability of individual citizens to be able to manage. Global warming is merely the latest environmental scare with the same solution. So in my book, writes Morano, I interviewed Naomi Klein, who has a book called this changes everything, capitalism versus the climate. Capitalism versus the climate. They are very open about saying that capitalism is not compatible with a livable climate. Now let's just stop for a moment and think about that. Capitalism is not compatible with a livable climate or livable planet. That's what the United Nations has said for years. What is capitalism? Capitalism is freedom. They just cloak it differently. Capitalism is freedom. You have freedom to work, freedom to start a business, freedom to invest, freedom to fail, but you have freedom. But that capitalism is not compatible with a livable climate. We must get rid of this capitalism, writes Naomi Klein. This has to be overthrown. So in fact, this is what it's all about. The United Nations, their reports continually being churned out about the global catastrophes, the wildfires that are occurring, and the climate activists, and all of them are saying, we cannot continue on with capitalism any further. It's destroying the planet. So let's ask the question, is capitalism destroying the planet? Well, the message has been now drilled into young people from kindergarten to college graduation and beyond has convinced a sizable proportion of America's young people, and increasingly older generations also, that not only is climate change destroying the planet, and it's destroying their future, but socialism 
is said to be the answer. So a recent Gallup poll found that 51% of young people now prefer socialism over capitalism. That is a trend that has accelerated since socialist Bernie Sanders challenged Hillary Clinton for the Democratic presidential nomination in 2016. Hillary Clinton basically is socialist as well, but Bernie Sanders, of course, is open about it. I appreciate him more than her because he's simply open and honest about his stance. She's not, but she's the same thing. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, a member of the Democratic Socialist of America, won the Democratic nomination in New York's 14th Congressional District several years ago, and she's serving in Congress right now, and that is from the Democratic Socialist of America. So Morano writes this, Socialism has become hip. Climate change and socialism fit together because the youth are the ones being most severely indoctrinated on climate change. They're basically being told you can't have single-family homes. That's going on right now, by the way, in Portland, Oregon. You can't have modern appliances. Joe Biden is doing that unless they're completely denuded of power, deregulated, you can't eat meat unless you limit your plane travel, etc. Or you must limit your plane travel. All those things and more also is what the climate change agenda is all about. So these are all the limits on modern society in order to essentially pay homage to the planet. And it's all being dovetailed perfectly with this Bernie Sanders AOC's sort of in vogue socialism that capitalism is the enemy. It's destroying our planet. And every time there's a hurricane, every time there's a flood, every time a tornado, every time there's a fire, it's because of our economic system. So in other words, the globalists need crises because people otherwise would agree or would not agree, I should say, to change their ways unless there was a crisis. You know, isn't it interesting that, that masses of people are always, are always targets of, of this propaganda, masses of people. And masses of people are always prone to move in one direction or the other so quickly. You might think, for example, about an example in the Bible in Acts chapter 14, where Paul and Barnabas are the first, on the first missionary journey in Acts chapter 14 in the Bible, and they come up to, into Asia Minor, which is today the country of Turkey, and they come into Antioch, and they go to Lystra, and in Lystra, at Lystra, they heal a a lame man. And the, at first, the people, of course, when they saw that, they were going to worship them as gods. <laughs> and so, but Paul and Barnabas came out and said, no, we're, we're not gods. We're simply servants of the Most High God. And we're simply bringing you the message of, of Jesus Christ. So those are the crowds that worship them bringing them, and as a matter of fact, the priest of the area was going to bring them laurels. He brought them a bull to sacrifice to them. And so they're going to worship them as gods. They called Barnabas Jupiter or Zeus. They called Paul uh, Hermes or Mercury. And they said, because he was the chief spokesman, they're worshiping them as gods. But you read in the next few verses, the Jews from other communities round about came right into Lystra started stirring up the crowds against him, and they were trying, and then they went out and stoned Paul. I thought, what? This is amazing to see how the people change so rapidly, so radically in masses of people. But this is what, of course, the socialists always want. This is why they don't like a Republican-style government, because they want to be able to manipulate the masses of people with all of this climate change propaganda. 
So the question that we're asking is climate change or forest mismanagement, which is it behind the wildfires? Well, H. Sterling Bennett that we mentioned earlier from the Heartland Institute pointed out the temperature has not gone up appreciably over the past three decades in California, speaking about what happened, of course, in California 2018. It may have gone up a degree in Fahrenheit, half a degree in Celsius since the 1880s globally, but that's not enough to account for this huge change in wildfire damages since the 1990s. It's been warmer in the past, and also the government's own data and irrefutable studies have shown that the world is not becoming more arid. We're not having less rainfall. We are not having longer and more severe drought periods. But that's true for the world, not only California. So the question is, what has changed? What has caused these fires? We have to think about it. Let's not be driven, driven by propaganda of the global climate change agenda. So what's changed? Now, these are the words, by the way, of this climate scientist from the Heartland Institute. And he tells us, this is Sterling Bennett, Heartland Institute. And he tells us very plainly what's going on here. And he tells us that what has changed is not the temperature, not the aridity of the soil, but he says a lot has changed regarding the management of forests and lands in California, both in the last three decades, but even longer than that. You see, from the 1960s and 70s, in that period, we managed through the Bureau of Land Management, we were able to manage the forests. That is... We'd had, we had cut, cutting and thinning, thinning out the forests. But from the 1980s, particularly on from the Clinton period forward, when Al Gore, Mr. Grandfather of the Climate Change Agenda, came into office as a vice president, we've had a completely different doctrine, and that is a biocentric worldview that says, you know what, we're the plague, humanity's the plague, and what's, we're the plague on the, on the planet. So we need to protect the planet from humanity. So they morphed the entire, the entire focus of government management. So what's happened is, and this is exactly what is being told to us right here. This is by H. Sterling Bennett of the Heartland Institute. He says, for decades after it was established in 1905, the U.S. Forest Service built thousands of miles of roads into the forests, not primarily to suppress forest fires, but to facilitate logging. Now, the Forest Service, after all, is a part, uh, part of the U.S. Department of Ag Agriculture. Trees on national forests were considered crops to be harvested to provide wood for homes, businesses throughout the country. That's, this is how Burnett tells it. But in the 1970s and 80s, the very period we're talking about, things started to change. And what changed was the management of these forests Following or after President Reagan's years, the management ideology really turned over. It was the ideology that has changed at that period of time. In the 1970s, Congress passed, for example, laws such as the National Environmental Policy Act, the Endangered Species Act that resulted in time-consuming, cost-prohibitive restrictions and requirements that have made the scientific management of forests absolutely impossible. It was during these groups or these years, I should say, that groups such as the environmental groups began filing lawsuits to stop clear-cutting, a practice in which most or all of the trees were cut down, leaving an ecological eyesore disrupting wildlife habitats, such as 
that of the northern spotted owl, the first in a series of endangered species that became symbols and a cause for environmentalists. But at the time, in the 1980s, the nation was logging about 12 billion board feet of timber annually from the national forests. That figure has dropped to less than 2 billion board feet annually today. 12 billion? Now it's less than 2. An 80% decline. In California alone, the number of sawmills has dropped from 149 in 1981. Do you know what it is as of 2017? Maybe less today. 27. Not only so, but they've ripped out the roads. At the same time, used to be, of course, the U.S. Forest Service had the roads going into the forest in order that they might be able to manage the forest not to clear-cut necessarily, but to manage the forest and take out some of the timber. The deadfall, for example. But now what's happened? Well, we've ripped out those roads. The National Forest Service taken those roads out. We don't even want to go into those areas. As a matter of fact, they don't allow anything motorized to go into the area at all. And the only thing you'll see is a couple of guys walking up there with a big saw on the shoulder to go cut down some tree that has fallen across the pathway because... You can't even hike in the area now. So when forests burn under the policies that were implemented after Reagan, I call them burn baby burn policies, they let nature take its course, let nature reclaim itself. Well, I'm sorry, but nature doesn't replant trees and soil that's been burned until it's now sterile. It takes active intervention, and nature doesn't remove dead and dying timber that has been created by overgrowth. And how about the overgrown forests? We talked about that earlier. Many of the national forests are overgrown with 300 to 900 trees per acre, whereas in the past it was 60 to 90 trees per acre. Now it's 300 to 900 trees per acre. And the deadfall that lies in between all of that, it makes it absolutely impossible. That is for a human to go through it. So when insect infestations occur, Bugs easily hop from tree to tree, wipe out entire forest, leaving dead and dying timber to dry out, and it turns it all into a veritable tinderbox. This is what's happening in California, in Colorado, in Arizona, in states in the West, Montana, Idaho. This is the management, the lack of management, the Bureau of Lack of Land Management that is occurring right now. And they're taking out the roads that gives access to the inner forests. Why? Because they say, let nature take its course. Well, nature's taking its course. And it all is a rejection of the biblical model that man is to oversee and to manage. This is Genesis chapter 1, 28 to 30. Manage not only the environment, but the globe itself and all of its natural resources in order for mankind. Here's Tom McClintock, a Republican from California. The wildfire crisis facing our forest across the West comes down to a simple adage. He said this was uh, in 2000, I believe, 17. We are running out of forest to save. Excess timber comes out of the forest one way or another. It is either carried out or it burns out, but it comes out. I thought that was a great statement. Tom McClintock, Republican from California, it comes out. You're either going to allow it to burn out or you're going to bring it out and use it. Which is it? Well, according to the environmental policies that are right now driving the Biden Democratic administration, 
We're just going to let it burn, baby, burn. Let's turn attention to sports, shall we, for a moment? You know, I grew up in the day when the sports, the professional sports athletes were some of the great heroes of America. I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. I loved the Washington Redskins. I loved the Washington Senators. When I moved to Texas, of course, the Senators became the Texas Rangers, so I liked the Texas Rangers. But I quit following professional sports, baseball, football, all of that, because I got so tired of the politically correct Marxist nonsense that some of these players, or many of the players, and the thuggish behavior that many of these players exhibit all the time. But added to that, they changed the names of the teams because of all the political pressure from the Marxists on the left and saying, you know, we've got to have politically correct team names. So the Washington Redskins changed. It became the Washington team, generally speaking. The Cleveland Indians a couple of years ago changed to the Cleveland Guardians, the pro baseball team. So that kind of nonsense just continued on. I just, you know, I get so tired of all that kind of thing. But today there's an effort to reclaim pride in sports teams with Indian or Indian-related names. And so the group is called the Native American Guardians Association. This is written by R. Cork, R. Court Kirkwood. What a great columnist is Court Kirkwood. And he writes about the Native American Guardians Association, NAGA. You heard of MAGA? Make America Great Again. But this is NAGA, Native American Guardians Association. Look it up. They mounted a petition to give sports teams their original names. For example... The targets are Pro Baseball's Cleveland Guardians and Pro Football's Washington Commanders. What a milk toast name is that? Washington Commanders. Naga Petition seeks to return the team's original names back to what they have been. The Commanders Petition has collected more than 100,000 petition or signatures on the petition. The petition to rename the Guardians began this week, I guess this was written just a couple of weeks ago, because of the success of the first one has enjoyed almost 4,000 signatures. You ought to get on there and sign it. So let's talk about these petitions for just a moment. Now, the two teams were subject to years-long leftist propaganda, Courtwood writes. Now, I'm going to correct that because it's not simply the two teams that were subjected to the propaganda. The entire America was subjected to nonsensical propaganda campaigns. The entire nation, the entire collegiate atmosphere, the entire mainstream media continued to propagandize America falsely that we can't have any names regarding the Native Americans, the Indians. And so I think uh, even here in Wichita Falls, Texas, there's the Midwestern State University. They used to be called the Indians. Well, they had to change that name and change it to the Mustangs. And so the Washington Redskins became the Washington Commanders and the Cleveland uh, Indians became the Cleveland Guardians and so forth. So they were acting as the leftists were always acting like the Indians were going to be, going to be offended. We have to be politically correct. This is, this is basically Marxism to cause us to jump. It's just like the old time Western movie in which you have some bad guy that's shooting the ground with some innocent guys jumping and dancing, trying to avoid the bullets. And he tells him to dance. And that's exactly what the leftists are always doing. They're just simply shooting their pistols off all the time at the feet of the conservatives saying, you jump, you jump here, you jump there, you dance as you want us to dance. Uh, we want you to dance. And that's exactly what takes place. It's just, it's actually nonsensical and it's propaganda. What's actually concerning to real Indians in America 
Is the grinding poverty in which they all live, it's just a picture of socialism. What socialism does, if you go to an Indian reservation, the highest suicide rates, highest alcoholism rates, highest depression rates, all of those, everything is highest, highest divorce rates, everything is highest on the Indian reservation. Why? Because it's a government-run system. This is what government does. Well, Changing the names of pro sports teams doesn't really affect the American Indians at all. They didn't want it. Actually, I think there were two, um, two articles that were put out in the Washington Times regarding surveys that they'd had. I think more than one survey in which they had surveyed American Indians and said, how much are you interested in changing the names? And they came back with both the same answer, and that is over 90% of the American Indians don't really care about the name of pro sports teams. So another thing is kind of interesting here, just a sideline, and that's that, that as we were told by the leftists that, you know, this will help change the image of the Washington Redskins, the change to the Washington Commanders. It will help change the image and it will cause us to have more pride in the team. So much blah, blah, blah nonsense. You know, in Wichita Falls, just as an illustration, they have a, a road that, that was called Eastside Drive. And they said, you know, and the minority said, you know, we've got to change it because Eastside Drive is a poor side of town and you can go there and it's very, it looks very poor and the, the houses are run down, the housing projects over there and everything looks uh, very sad. And you don't want to put a business over there. So the government has to pay people to go in there to put a business in there. And they said, well, we need to change the name of the road to Martin Luther King highway because now we can take pride in this area and now things are going to be better that is that is so much nonsensical thinking you can change the name of the road that's fine but let's not pretend that anything is going to change in reality nothing changes in reality we still have the same liberal claptrap that is doctrinaire material that is involved in managing these cities and so also the thinking of Americans in regarding changing names of sports teams. Well, the two clubs, that is, that would be the Washington Redskins, the Cleveland Indians, and America itself surrendered to all of this propaganda. So Indians who supported the Redskin name, that's just too bad. So the Redskins changed to the commanders. So that's what's happened. But now there is NAGA, that's this this website explains the history of the term of the Redskins and how the team was named actually. And the term was not racial, but it was actually martial. It was specific. Martial means law, or rather means warlike. It is specific to those early red-painted native warriors who were known to, for their bravery, skill, and fighting spirit. That's the website saying, let's go back and reclaim those names such as the Washington Redskins. So Redskins, derived from Native Americans' use of blood root plant, and dye as ceremonial preparation for war. And redskin tribes used it to cover their shaven heads, arms, torsos, and legs. And they believed this color would protect them like a spiritual suit of armor. Same thing regarding the word Indians for the Cleveland Club. Both of those simply honored the Native Americans in America. So the petition is to go back and change the names to Washington Redskins, and back to Cleveland Indians, you go and check that box and, you know, sign the petition. But the real question here that we want to get to 
is who's really offended. Not the Native Americans, not the Indians, but the liberal gatekeepers who always on the prowl, as we mentioned, to cause America to dance to the drumbeat, just like that old Western gunfighter shooting at the feet of the Americans, causing them to dance in every direction they want them to go. That's, that's really who's offended here. Those are the ones that are wanting to remain, have the names remain exactly the same. And also there is, of course, this Ben and Jerry's ice cream. The Ben and Jerry's ice cream company, the Marxists running that company, they're going to be unhappy if the name changes back to the Washington Redskins and the Cleveland Indians. We'll tell you why just a moment when we come back. Now, what does Ben and Jerry's ice cream have to do with land management? What does it have to do with wildfires? What does Ben and Jerry's ice cream have to do with the climate change agenda? Well, I'll tell you, Ben and Jerry's is a liberal organization run by apparent Marxists. Now, back in 2018, Ben and Jerry's ice cream came out with a pecan resist. And by the way, they've had other political issues of the last several years regarding resisting Israel and supporting uh, supporting the Palestinians in uh, in Israel. Those kind of issues that continue to that continue to go around, right down along the line of Barack Obama, the Marxist of the world. But back in 2018, they had a pecan resist ice cream. And that was, of course, to say that they resist the agenda of Donald Trump. They resist the agenda of the Republicans. They support justice for people of color, of women, inclusivity, equality, LGBTQ community, refugees, immigrants. They don't want a border. And they put their money into four different organizations. Now, this is Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Now, I love ice cream and I love Ben and Jerry's ice cream, but I won't eat the Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And boy, I'll be in a lot of trouble if all the ice cream companies go the way of Ben and Jerry's. So at any rate, so they supported four different organizations, Ben and Jerry's did, and they put their funds into these organizations. Number one, the Color of Change, which was a black activist Marxist group, Color of Change. Then they also supported and have supported this nativist environmentalist. Oh, now we're getting close to about the wildfires, aren't we? The nativist environmentalist activist group called Honor the Earth as well as, number three, the radical feminist group called Women's March, and then NETA, N-E-T-A, described as an independent media platform led by, quote, people of color along the Texas-Mexico border. In other words, they don't want a border. You know that what that's about. So Color of Change was founded by, co-founded by James Rucker, and he himself describes himself and his communist partner as communists. Rucker serves on the communist-leaning Southern Poverty Law Center. James Rucker, grassroots organization, Soros-funded group, Move On, is associated with that one, as well as his partner and ally, Islamist Keith Ellison. Enough said. Now, how about Honor the Earth? This is, this is where I want you to focus for just a moment. Honor the Earth is an indigenous people movement connected to environmental legislation. So you see that others... Other groups are associated with this environmental movement as well. It's all, almost like barnacles on a ship and all of them attach themselves to it. All the socialistic groups that are against freedom in America attach themselves to this one environmental movement. So Honor the Earth, their website, glorifies the United Nations, promotes, promotes world government, blatantly preaches complete erasure of private property rights. This is what Ben and Jerry's supports erasing private property rights. The statement on the website reads this, rather than treating nature as property under the law, 
The time has come to recognize that nature and all our natural communities have the right to exist. The ecosystem itself can be named as rights bearing as a rights bearing subject withstanding in a court of law. Now, let's stop back up and think about that for a moment. The ecosystem can be named as a rights bearing subject withstanding in a court of law. Well, I wonder who will be the mouthpiece for the ecosystem as a rights-bearing subject in a court of law. Who will be the mouthpiece? What, what lawyer? Well, they're self-appointed, of course. They are the Native Americans. They are the Indians. They are the, these are the people that are the leftist of the world. The United Nations are going to stand up and say, we speak for the environment. And so they rely on rights of nature. Now, all of these rights of nature, this is the United Nations Declaration on Rights of Indigenous People. We might, that's the acronym, UNDRIP, UNDRIP, UNDRIP. They rely on the rights of nature. Now, these rights were codified, it is claimed, in the Ecuadorian Constitution of 2008. Soon after, in Bolivia, the World's People Conference on Climate Change and Rights of Mother Earth drafted what is called the Universal Declaration on the Rights of Mother Earth. So the rights of Mother Earth have a standing, according to this organization, that is the United Nations Declaration on Climate Change, that is by the United Nations given to us, and they have, this is what Ben and Jerry supports, they have, of course, standing in the court of law. This is Honor the Earth website. So the ecosystem has this standing, so... The idea is, here's what they tell us on Honor the Earth website. Listen carefully to the wording here. Rights of nature is the recognition and honoring that natural ecosystems, including trees, oceans, animals, mountains, have rights just as human beings have rights. End of quote. We'll come back to that in a moment. Remember what we've talked about in the past? That is, the environmental green agenda is all about attacking the Bible, about attacking the Genesis account of creation where man was created in the image of God and given authority over management of the universe and management of the natural resources on the planet. That's Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 to verse 30. Man is to manage it, to oversee it. But here in honor of the earth, which claims to be a Native American website that Ben and Jerry supports, puts his money into, tells us that no, the creation, not really a creation, they don't even call it the creation, that is the natural ecosystem. They avoid the word creation. I wonder why. Well, because that implies that someone created it. So the natural ecosystem has rights just as human beings have rights. So continuing their quotation, Rather than treating nature as property under the law, the time has come to recognize that nature and all our natural communities have a right to exist, maintain, and regenerate their vital cycles. And we, the people, have the legal authority and responsibility to enforce these rights on behalf of ecosystems. I wonder, stopping here, who appointed these people to have the legal authority and the responsibility to enforce the rights of the ecosystem. Who has who appointed them? Where did they get that appointment? This is the this is how socialists think. And that is 
that we have the right to step in. We're going to protect nature, but you know what? We're not going to pay attention to the Bible model, the biblical model. We're not going to pay attention to the rights that people have. And particularly, notice this, there is no such thing as property rights, rights to property that people have. No such thing. That's exactly what this Honor the Earth website believes. The ecosystem itself, continuing the quote, can be named as a rights-bearing subject with standing in a court of law. Really, that's, that's a bold statement. So they've repudiated, that is, Honor the Earth repudiates right to property. It repudiates the Genesis account of creation. It repudiates that the earth was created for man's usage. It repudiates that man was created in the image of God and under the earth appeals to world government to cancel American values. That's what's going on with Ben and Jerry's ice cream. So now you know why I don't eat Ben and Jerry's ice cream.